do you think you can win over the next investor, prospect, or grant by just using a bunch of numbers? I mean, the data should speak for itself, right? From that prototype that you put out there? So how you should present it shouldn't matter. I mean, everyone can logically see how much of an impact that you are having. All I gotta say though, it's good luck with that because it matters so much because let's face it, there are other options out there. No matter if nobody else is really doing what you do, if you can't communicate that effectively, they don't understand why you're not doing what everybody else is doing. Plus, most likely there's going to be something out there that is similar enough for that investor, for that prospect, or for that grant to work with instead. So what can you do? What can you do to ensure that you get the next prospect, that next investor, or that next grant? You need to practice your communication. Then after you practice it, you need to master it. And I've seen the data. I've seen how important it is for business owners to be able to spread their message effectively. That is one of the reasons why I created this podcast was to give ecopreneurs an opportunity to spread their message effectively. And now I would also like to introduce you to Brendan. He is the founder and president of Master Talk, and he provides his clients with exercises and trains them on how to master their communication. And make sure that you stay all the way to the end because Brendan is laying down some major bombshells when it comes to being able to communicate effectively in order to win that next client, the next investor, or that next grant. And make sure that you stay all the way to the end because Brendan speaks to why scientists who implement his strategies have an unfair, ridiculous advantage in the marketplace. You're here for another dose of climate positivity on the Green Business Impact Podcast. Here we highlight the amazing work of green businesses from around the world that are fighting against climate change. If you are ready to be inspired to take action, ready to hear some amazing examples of how we are working to fight the climate crisis, then stay tuned because this week's episode will be the perfect hit of climate positivity. I have Brendan here and he is the master of public speaking at Master Talk. He has a YouTube channel where he has a bunch of different videos all talking about public speaking. So in this day and age, you really can't get by without speaking in front of people, trying to grow your business, trying to tell more people about what you do. So this will be an awesome way for everybody out in the audience, all those ecopreneurs out there to understand what they can do to enhance their public speaking ability. Brendan, do you mind giving us one awesome tip for everybody out in the audience today who are thinking about how do I just enhance my public speaking ability? What can I do? Absolutely, Billy. It's great to be on, man. Thanks for having me. I would say before we get into the tactics, and I'm sure there's a lot of exercises we're going to talk about today, the most important one is motivation. Because if we're not motivated to actually work on our communication, we won't implement any of the strategies that we're going to speak about today. And that's why for me, it's the most important because we see communication as a chore. It's kind of like doing the dishes. We equate the stress, the negativity, the anxiety. Whereas for me, Billy, the perspective has always been, how would your life change if you were an exceptional communicator? And we dream about our vacations. We dream about the expensive things we want to buy. When was the last time we dreamed about a world in which we'd be better communicators in it? So I would start there. Wow, that's powerful. I didn't even really think about that. Just saying, rather than trying to enhance one skill or work on one thing about public speaking, but understand why we're here. Why are we even doing this? That's a huge thing to, to tap back into, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And when you're public speaking, 
what do you say as your why? Why do you come there? What is your reason? What is your motivation? I love it, brother. Yeah, so my mission in life is I think the next Elon Musk is a 15-year-old girl who can't afford a communication coach. So wherever my mind goes to is I thought about Elon when he was 15. Obviously, he's a big piece of your show because he's definitely tackling climate change head on. But for the purposes of my mission, nobody cared about him when he was 15. Nobody was saying, hey, Elon, here's some free resources. Let me try and coach you. Let me try and help you. Nobody cared because he didn't have an exit. He didn't have a win. Now people care, but he's made it now, so it doesn't matter. So I think about the 15-year-old person right now as we're talking that we don't know exists, that is in some part in the world. It might be a black woman in Africa. Who knows? And they might be 65 years old. We don't know. But what I do know is that I'm the only person right now, I believe anyways, who's creating all of this free information on communication at scale where all of it's practical and easy to use. So they actually don't even need me. So my why is how do I create those resources and that encyclopedia so after I'm dead, people can still learn from me forever. That's really cool. And you have this YouTube channel where all this is held. How do you come up with the ideas for your YouTube channel? What kind of drives you around? What are you going to publish this week? For sure, man. So my content strategy has shifted a lot over the years. So now my content is written years in advance, actually. So I'm currently writing 2024. So I think we're June 2022 now. So I'm around like 18 months ahead right now of my content strategy. And the reason is because I really want to make sure that I'm not working with any hard deadlines. Because then your creativity isn't that great because then you just have to post for the sake of posting. But in terms of my strategy that's worked well and it still is the same that I've used since the first day, I just go with the questions that my clients or customers or subscribers or people who listen to me on a podcast ask me that I don't know the answer to. So two years ago, I got a nice question. Where does the fear of communication come from? And I used to always answer, I don't know, San Diego, Los Angeles, you tell me. But then over time, I was able to figure out a better answer to that question. So that's, that became a YouTube video. Actually, I don't think I've made one yet on that. But this is an example. Then somebody else goes, how do you deliver effective feedback to teams? And I was like, oh, I should probably make a video on that. So that's in production. So I always go based on what my ideal person is the most curious about. And if I don't know the answer, it'll often turn into a YouTube channel. Video I made. Yeah. Channel. Video, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll start a channel every new video. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a hard way to get started on YouTube. <laughs> Definitely a train wreck, absolutely. Yeah, what is your favorite thing to talk about in terms of public speaking? Yeah, I would say for me, Billy, my favorite thing, or I'd say the most effective thing, besides the question we asked earlier, how would your life change if you're an exceptional communicator? Or for eco-entrepreneurs in the room, how would your world change? Or how would the world change if you were an exceptional communicator? So that's one piece. The other piece is my easy threes. So these are three exercises that people can do on a daily basis that are easy as pie. Anyone can implement this regardless of the stage that you're at, and it'll drive a ton of results for you. So the first one is the random word exercise. So you can take a random word like phone, like eyeball, like wall, like ecosystem, and create random presentations out of thin air. And the reason this drives a lot of success is I always tell people, if you can make sense out of nonsense, you can make sense out of anything. So if you practice the random word exercise three to four to five times a day and you do it for a month, you'll have done it more times than probably 95% of the human population. And you'll really start to develop an edge for yourself in your game. So that's the first one. That's awesome. And do you do as many words as you can think of off of that or 
how do you like structure that exercise? Absolutely, Billy. So the key is really not to overthink it. I always like to say that we get points not based on how well we do it, but how many times we do it. So I'm happy to demonstrate if you want. Give me any word you want. Like literally anything. Uh, microphone. Sure. So for those who are listening, Billy did not give me the word microphone prior to the intro. I literally have to make something up. So now I'm just going to make something up. I remember the first time I stepped on a stage. I was so nervous, scared, anxious, and I almost didn't want to pick up that microphone again. So why did I do it anyways? I did it because I felt that the message I had to share was so important that even if somebody didn't want to give me a microphone, I would need to pry it out of their hands because it was so important to share that idea. But you know what's interesting, Billy, is that most of us believe we don't deserve the microphone. We believe that our ideas aren't worth sharing, that they're not worth giving to other people. But what if I told you that all of us deserved a mic? And it doesn't need to be a mic for the world. It just needs to be a mic that is strong enough for at least one person to hear it. I encourage you to take that microphone because the world needs more leaders like you. There you go. Done. Random word access. I felt like you impressed that speech. That was impressive. <laughs> well, technically I did, Billy, because I've done the random word exercise 3,000 times, and I'm not exaggerating that number. But what I will say is when you start doing this, you'll suck. You'll be like, a microphone is like a device. And... But after you do this 20 <laughs> times, you'll go, huh, maybe I should tell a story. Huh, maybe I should do this. And if you do this sucker 100 times, which doesn't take a long time, it's like 100 minutes, right? Hour and 40 minutes, you'll be unstoppable. And that will give you momentum to do a bunch of other things that we can talk about today as well. And how did you come up with the idea for practicing this? Do you do it on a daily basis? Great question. So I don't do it on a daily basis anymore because I've just done it enough times that I think I'm good. I work on other things that are much more advanced for the purposes of this podcast, but like emulating stand-up comedians and stuff, it's like harder things. But I would say that's a great point. The reason I like this exercise a lot is it achieves the most important outcome of communication, which I'll spill the beans on it. The outcome has nothing to do with the random word exercise, but rather something more important which is convincing yourself that you can be an exceptional communicator to begin with. So the random word exercise is a trick I play on clients. I'll explain why that is. So when somebody generally starts working on their communication, Toastmasters, they might start watching videos, they might start working with on this with their friends, all of them without a hint of doubt believe that they're not great speakers, almost all of them. And the reason they don't think they're great communicators, Billy, is because the education system messed us up with our speech. Because all the presentations we gave in elementary school or high school were mandatory. You don't only get to pick what you present. You, and you have to do it. It's different. You don't get to talk about climate change. You have to talk about Shakespeare. So you don't get to talk about what you care about. And the third problem is all of them are tied to a punishment. So every time you present, if you don't do a good job, you get a slap like you lose 30% of your grade. So what's the conclusion? The conclusion is if you do the random word exercise 10 times and you realize you'll always be better than the first time, you'll go, oh, there's momentum here, and then you'll do anything. Yeah, and I heard one quote the other day. It was saying, like, if you do something 10 times, you have so much more momentum, and there are so many people that they just don't do something 10 times in a row. If you can just get past that first initial wave of motivation to 
do it 10 times, you have a, a much better possibility of reaching your goals just because you did it 10 times. So just get started is a huge first step. Sure. Absolutely, brother. And you're a perfect example of this with your podcast, right? Tell us a little bit, Billy, when you compare this interview, I'm sure you've probably done like dozens of these, maybe even hundreds at this point, and you compare it to the first interview you did, what do you think is the difference? There's so much difference. It, there's a difference in the technical side of what I'm using, but in terms of just my confidence and being able to ask questions quickly after they say something that I really want to dive into, being able to articulate that afterwards has greatly increased and being able to actually be able to do that. Practice is key. I've done it 36 times or so now. So being able to just continually practice and continue to do something is huge. <laughs> Absolutely, Billy. And you're the example we should all be following because the difference was not that you were some exceptional communicator in the same way I wasn't, by the way. You just said, people need to hear this. So I might as well do it, except the difference between the incredible work that you're doing is let's say somebody who's listening to this podcast is the person who's listening to the podcast. I'm going to call them out. They're going to go, oh, yeah, but I can't be like Billy. I can't start a podcast. It's too much. I got a mic. So the random word exercise is an exercise that is so simple that you just have to do it because there's no excuse. You don't need a mic. You don't need to have a guest. You don't need to do any of these things. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And sometimes just being able to do those simple things that can trigger so much more after that can continue to say oh that was easy i did that and then now you've invested time in doing that simple thing so like might as well upgrade <laughs> so you can then do the next thing so you had three things you said what was the second one absolutely yeah i just want to monologue <laughs> that's why i stop <laughs> after each one so the first one is the random word exercise, absolutely. So the second one is question drills, Billy. So in our life, we're always going to get asked questions about our businesses, about our life, about our careers, about our relationships. And we're always reactive to the questions we get asked, not proactive. So what does that mean? That means that when somebody asks us a question, a lot of the times you go, I don't really think about that one. So instead, what I encourage you to do, or what we should do more, is be proactive. So what does that mean? Every day for five minutes, that's it. Guess one question that you think the world will ask you about your expertise, your knowledge base. Why did you start the podcast? Why is it important to you? What's your mission with this? Blah, 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 blah. And answer a question every day. If you do that for a year, Billy, you'll have answered 365 questions about your business, your project, your endeavor, and you'll be unbeatable in your industry because nobody goes that far. Yes, definitely. Like we were talking about before, you do something more than 10 times, you're on your way. So that's awesome. And how do you come up with 365 questions? The next day you're thinking, oh, I asked that question on day 14. What do I do then? Great question. That's the right follow-up. So the way you do this is actually really simple. Is the first couple of days, just write them on your own. Should be fine. You should be able to figure them out. But you're right. As the days go on, you start to forget a couple of questions. You start to not remember. So what do you do? All you have to do is go to the person you want to serve and ask them. So for me, I'll give you a practical example. When I started Master Talk and I had 20 subscribers, like two zero, like that's it. The guy, I, but I knew those 15 people, those 20 people. So I would just have dinner with them and I'd say, okay, guys, what are all the questions you got from me on communication? They would just blast a ton of questions. Where does the fear of communication come from? What's one piece of advice you would share on this? What about people who are in university? What about college students? What about executives? Boom, boom, boom. And they start drilling. And I would just write down all the questions. And I did it only answer to 90% of them when I started. 
but I just said, okay, let me just spend every day writing a, that's why I'm so ahead of my content strategy. I just spent every day writing one YouTube video. Okay, today I'm going to think about how to manage vocal tones. How do you manage vocal tones? Here's what I do. And I just write it out. And then the next day until I had an answer for pretty much everything. Yeah. Yeah, really being able to go to your audience is key, being able to see what they actually need so that you can answer those questions and answer those problems, especially for any business owner, knowing your audience, knowing your market is going to be huge in order to work on your marketing, how you talk to them, how you sell to them, all of that. You can't make a business without that. So absolutely, definitely key. So what's the third one? Absolutely. So the third one is so simple, Billy that nobody does it. Sending video messages. Make a list of the top five people that you appreciate in your life. People already pour into. They could be investors in your project. They could be family members, your brother, your sister. And ask yourself a simple question. When was the last time you sent them a video message? Just a 20 second. Hey, Billy, thinking about you. Love your work, man. Amazing podcast. Hope you're having a wonderful day. Simple, nothing crazy. But you'll find often, Billy, that the answer that most of us have in their mind right now is zero. They haven't sent a single one in their life. So I would encourage you to do differently. Make a list, send them out. Because the reason these are important is because it helps us unlearn a very important thing around communication. It helps us unlearn the idea that communication is a chore, which it isn't, obviously. Nobody wants to get better at doing the dishes. Nobody wakes up one day and say, you know what, today I'm going to be the master of this thing. No. Whereas when we send video messages, I'll give an example with one of my CEO guys. He manages 40 employees. So what I had him do is I had him sit down and I said, you're going to send a video message. I don't care if it's a janitor or a vice president. You're going to send everybody in that company a video message just wishing them happy holidays. Hey, I just want to add one thing you appreciate. About. And he didn't want to do it. Not because he hated his employees, obviously, but because he was too scared. Oh, what if, what would they think about my lighting? What if this isn't right? Was, I said, you're going to sit down or I'm going to fire you. That's what I told him. And he said, oh, I was like, okay. And then he was, so he did it in an hour. That's how you get people to take action at that level. And the next day he woke up and a ton, Billy, of messages. Oh my God, this meant the world to me. I didn't even know you knew me, blah, 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 blah. And the company, other people were like crying, literally like tears of joy. His retention went up the roof. So that's the point I want to drive is when we realize that communication is a tool for impact, that's when we start to take it more seriously. Yeah, definitely. And what makes me think of that is back before we had all these devices and things, ways of communicating and things that distract us and take our attention away, there used to be a lot more around the idea of being able to use words like in fancy ways. So like back, I don't know, probably in like 1800s or so, they were much more about what word would I use and using like larger and more descriptive words and really trying to be very, be able to communicate in fun ways and having like fun with their communication and the way they write and the way they talk to each other and things like that. Whereas like today we're just like, okay, get to the point as fast as possible. Let me try to shorten all of these words into three letter acronyms and all of this stuff. But there's a beauty to communication and our minds, our history as human beings, we love that. We crave that ability to have somebody speak very eloquently to us and describe and really allow us to use our imagination and when they're telling a story to saying something in that way. So you were mentioning 
sending people a video message and focusing on communicating with other people rather than just messaging people on social media or going out there and posting stuff. So maybe just being more direct in your interaction with the people closest to you. Absolutely. And you know what I love about you, Sheridan, Billy, is you really get the idea around communication, that it's so much more than a presentation at work. It's the way we talk to our families. It's the way that we order food at a restaurant. It's the way that we recruit other people to join our companies. It's the way we talk to strangers when we travel. It's every moment of our life. So when we realize that communication is about leading a more fulfilling life, then we don't see it as a chore anymore. We see it as a way to create impact and amplify our message in the same way we're doing that right now with each other on this podcast. Yeah, definitely. And especially for everybody in the audience here who wants to make that bigger impact. We're working to fight against climate change. We're getting, working to get that message out there to spread the message about how we need to fix these problems out in society and being able to communicate that effectively, communicate what the problem is, how we're going to solve this problem why it's important what we're doing. Those are three huge points that each of us need to hit when you're trying to present to an investor, present to somebody you're looking to bring on as a partner to your organization or whatever. These are huge points that everyone here in this audience needs to understand to be able to have a bigger impact. And that's huge. Absolutely. (laughs) Definitely. Cool. So what do you see as one of the biggest challenges that people have with public speaking for sure i would say the challenge is that people don't practice because they don't have the motivation or they have the motivation but the fear is greater than the motivation so how do we fix this i would say the first piece is to acknowledge that the fear will never go away even for me let's say we're having lunch billy and elon musk calls me and he goes brenda i've been following your youtube channel it's pretty good stuff i like your videos can you coach me tomorrow i'll fly out to the gigafactor i'll pay you whatever you want Just coach me. Would I shit my pants? Absolutely. There's no situation in which I would say, oh yeah, I'll be 100% calm. No. Even for me, there's levels where we're always going to be stressed. We're going to freak out. So what's the message? The message is trying to remove the fear of communication is a bad goal to have. The right goal to have is to start thinking about it like a boxing match. What do I mean? Let's say one side of the ring is our fear the stress, the anxiety, the stress around communication. And the other side of the ring is our message. Why is this important? Why should we share it? The goal is not for the fear to leave the ring, but rather make sure that when your message and your fear meet in the middle of that boxing match, that your message wins the match, that your message gets the knockout punch in the world. And if you get the knockout punch, that's all that matters. So what's the conclusion? The conclusion is fear is always going to be there, but we need to learn to dance with it and potentially knock it out with our message. That's awesome. Really believing in what we have to share as being part of the reason we're getting up there. So even if there is all that fear, even if there is all that anxiety, doing it in spite of that and being able to move forward. That's a great message for sure. Especially for entrepreneurs who might be scientists or they might be working in a very technical area where they're working in green tech or something like that. How do they make their presentations effective to the general public or to like an investor or something when they're used to talking in a lot of sciencey jargon and all this other stuff? 
how do they get it to where they can have a, an effective presentation without coming across as just being all sciencey and all these data and figures? Hundred percent, Billy. And I tell my scientists all this all the time. I call this extreme to the means. So what does that mean? It means do the harder thing outside of those technical presentations so that those technical presentations become a lot easier. What do I mean? What scientists need, Billy, is they need to have fun and get out of their shell first. So let's start the conversation there. That means the random word exercise will scare the shit out of them. 100%. What do you mean, Brendan and Billy? My PhD dissertation is on this, and this is what my specific topic is, and I've spent the last five years doing this, and I go talk about iguanas. Talk about dolphins, talk about avocados, and it messes up their thought process because now they have to talk without the numbers, without the statistics, and they have to use, they have no choice essentially, because you don't have statistics on dolphins unless you're like an oceanographer or something, I don't know. But yeah, you don't have the numbers, so you have to use anecdotes. You have to use stories like I did with the exercise I showed earlier. So that's the first thing is get out of your shell. Second piece is understand why it's important. What happens if you don't do it? If you don't get out of your shell, if you don't take the time to rejig a lot of your technical knowledge so that a non-technical person understands it in a way that buys into your vision? Well, it depends. I would say if you're the CEO of that scientific endeavor of that project, you're finished. And I'll explain why. Okay, because I like setting that burning platform. Most people don't do it, especially because I know a lot of these scientists. That's why I say it this way, or else they won't listen to me. The reason is simple. We need to understand, Billy, that as CEOs of companies, as people want to make a difference, as people are leading others, that we are pitching every day, not just to investors. We're convincing people who are working at Pfizer, GSK, a lot of these big pharma companies to come work for us. Hey, go leave your super coveted job over there and come work for me at half the salary. So we have to convince them why. That's one. We're convincing customers. A lot of the customers do not have the technical knowledge that we do. That's why they're hiring us because we're the experts. So if we can't communicate our technical vision or product vision to them, that we won't get any sales. We won't be able to drive the business forward. And the third one is as the project scales, as the business scales, you have to do media. There's no way around it. Okay, you might not need to go on TV every day, but yeah, when you're raising capital, when you're on pitch competitions, you're doing all these things, you need to put yourself out there because that's the best way to get talent, even if it's not even about raising money. Narrative is an important part of being an entrepreneur. So that's the second piece is understand why. And then the third piece I would say is always be super empathetic. So what I tell scientists to do is focus on one audience member at a time whenever you're delivering a pitch. Investors are usually the most important one to consider because customers are another. So I'll give you an example. So what I encourage scientists to do is whenever they're talking with investors, Billy, I have them ask them questions like, if you were me, how would you communicate my ideas differently? If you had to communicate my own idea to somebody else, how would you explain it? And you'll find really quickly when you ask these questions that you'll get really upset because they're not going to explain it the way you want them to. But we need to realize that's not their fault. It's yours. So you need to keep reiterating until you get the right information. I'll give you a simple one. I'll throw it back to you because I feel I'm monologuing a little bit too much here. So one thing that investors care a lot about, Billy, that scientists never put in their pitch, like never, is traction. 
what progress have you made in this idea? And a lot of people just go, this is the technical paper. This is my thought process. This is the research and I'm done. It's okay. Is this a business? What are you thinking of doing? What's the vision? So you need to add these things. When, when you were mentioning all those people who you're speaking to and you're pitching to each day, one of the big ones is yourself. You're pitching to yourself each and every day saying, I love that. yes, this is so important to do that I need to keep doing it. Because when you're hitting a rough day or you feel like I just can't work on this another minute or I just didn't get another grant or I was turned down by another investor, like you got to convince yourself every day. So even if you're not tipping somebody else on a daily basis, you're tipping yourself. You got to tell yourself that this is worth it, that what you're doing is important because it is. I love that. I love that. Completely agree. It's such a hard thing to be able to understand exactly how to speak to others in order to have them understand what you were trying to do, what you understand your vision, if you're not clearly presenting that as well. And so you mentioned how you really need to have that business vision in there because that's really important as well. Absolutely. And one bonus made me think about when you were speaking is remember the advantage you have as a scientist. I can say for a fact, and I know you would agree with this, you know, a lot of them, most people don't work on their communication skills in this field. I can tell you for a fact of nature. So what does that mean? That means your barrier to entry is extremely low, very low. You don't need to do the random word exercise a thousand times, not even close actually. If you just do the random word exercise 50 to 100 times, you'll already be better than 95% of people in your field, guaranteed. Especially if it's like PhD level, technical, regardless of the industry whether it's AI, whether it's something more on the biology side, most people are not spending time working on their communication, which means if you put in that little work, just a little bit to do what we talked about today, video messages, I've yet to meet a scientist who does this without me forcing them to, it's like never happens. You'll have a ridiculous, and I mean ridiculous advantage in the marketplace for talent because people understand what you're doing. Investors will go, yeah, I want to fund this guy because I understand what they're saying. And you'll also get more sales because you'll be able to close deals that scientists are just not able to do. So that's the advantage as well. So it doesn't take a lot to stay down this space. And I think that's a great opportunity for scientists listening to this podcast. For sure. And I know on your YouTube channel, you have a lot where you're breaking down famous people as they give their speeches. I thought it was really cool. I watched the one you did on Brene Brown and I thought that was just awesome. Oh, thanks brother. You broke that down. So which one has been your favorite one to break down so far and what has been your favorite and which has been the most enlightening? For you? Beautiful question. I've been asked that one before. I would say my favorite one is Scott Harrison because he's my hero. So the Sea of Charity Water, it's a nonprofit he started to help people gain access to clean water. I think he's a fabulous storyteller. He has the biggest water charity in America. He's raised hundreds of millions of dollars for clean water. He's an absolute exceptional guy. People should really read his book, Thirst. I think it's really like a must read for anyone who wants to change the world because it's practical. He used to be like a nightclub promoter in New York City. And he turned into the CEO of Fantastic. Anyways, the guy's brilliant. So breaking that down was super cool. That's probably my favorite one. Just the way they thinks about storytelling, all that stuff. And terms of the most enlightening one, that's a fascinating one. I would say all of them have been pretty enlightening, but the one that is the most enlightening is probably Gary Vaynerchuk because he's the most similar to the brand that I want to have. As you can tell, I'm very straight to the point, very New York style. So I got that a lot from Gary Vee. I don't like fluff in my industry because I feel there's too much of it. 
Whereas me, it's okay, no, you need to do these three things. If you're not doing these three things, you're doing something wrong. So I always want to try and emulate what he's doing because he's so good at relatability. He can relate to a seven-year-old girl as well to a 70-year-old man who's like the CEO of a company. So it's really interesting that he's able to do that. So that's been pretty enlightening for me. I can see that for sure. And what are your goals for Master Talk? in the rest of 2022 yeah for sure man i would say for me it's scale so now that the product's working now that sales are coming in and i'm not starving anymore i would say the focus now is how do we amplify the impact so now that i'm starting to get a few wins under my belt now it's how do i leverage that press that media all that stuff so that i can really take this global so i don't know if i'm going to be able to achieve that by the end of this year but definitely the goal is to keep scaling the youtube channel scale up the coaching business and keep impacting more people so i can get to where i want to be awesome. and what are you currently learning right now yeah great question my first meeting is learning so i spend two hours a day listening to podcasts 90 minutes to two hours on average it's the first way that i start my mornings so this morning i was listening to a podcast with tom bilio who was the ex-ceo of of quest nutrition very successful guy. I love, love, love a lot of things he shared. One quote that stuck out to me, he says, booze don't block dunks. He got that from Kobe Bryant. So people who are booing in the crowd don't block the dunks. So it doesn't matter how much people boo. You can still get the slam dunk anyways. So I thought that was really powerful. But I think the lesson is I'm always learning. If people asked me, what do I think of my own communication skills and my own coaching? I still think I'm writing chapter one. I still think I'm getting warmed up. I'm nowhere near where I want to be. And that's where I want to be as well, is that constant evolution, that constant journey. Definitely, I agree. And I think that I'm the same way. It's all about what's the next thing? How can I enhance and how can I grow to the next level? Because that makes life interesting. So <laughs> I love it. And what is one thing somebody can take away from this at the end here? What is one last message that you would like to send to any entrepreneur in the audience now? Absolutely, Billy. I would say it goes back to the question, right? How would your life change if you were an exceptional communicator? A lot of people will hear the question, but they'll sidestep it. They'll say, you know what? Eh, cool question, but I won't spend some time. But for 1% of you that's going to do this, I encourage you to write it down and reflect on it for 10 to 15 minutes. Because for all of us, that answer is different, Billy. Some of us want to get better at communication for our families. Others have this big project that they want to do in climate change. They want to go after it. Really reflect. Because if we don't have the motivation, if we don't know why we're doing something, we won't send the video messages. We won't do the question drills. We won't do the random word exercise. But if you're burning desire strong enough, then you'll put in the time to get those exercises done and get the results that you're looking for. And if anybody is looking to learn more about MasterTalk and maybe work with you, enhance their public speaking ability, how do they get in touch with you? Absolutely, man. Such a fantastic conversation. Thanks for having me, man. This was great. So two easy ways to stay in touch. The first one is the YouTube channel. Just go to master talk in one word and you'll have access to hundreds of free videos on how to communicate ideas effectively. And the second way to keep in touch is I do a free Zoom call that's 90 minutes every two to three weeks. So you can attend it. It's super fun. It's not like boring or anything. I'm on the call. I'm interacting with people. I'm coaching people on the call for free. So all you have to do is go to rockstar communicator dot com and you can get access to that yeah and i'll include that all in the show notes and description so you'll be able to find it all there thank you so much brendan for jumping on the call i think this is really great for any entrepreneur in the audience who is listening for really anybody who's listening to enhance their public speaking enhance their communication and really be able to make that impact that they're looking to have on the world so thank you so much 
Of course, Billy. Such a pleasure. And if you enjoyed this interview with Brendan, make sure that you go and check out his YouTube channel, Master Talk, where he provides over a hundred different videos for you to start to master that communication. Because if you begin to master what he is teaching throughout all of his videos, you will have a leg up. So make sure you check it out now and you won't be disappointed. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Green Business Impact Podcast. We hope you enjoyed hearing your weekly dose of climate positivity. In a world that constantly inundates you with the negative things happening, it can be great to take a break and hear some great things happening in the world. Make sure to hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app to stay up to date with the latest and best interviews of the top minds in the green industries. And if you are interested in taking your green business to the next level, consider checking out our Business Creativity Mastermind linked in the show notes below to harness the power of creativity and innovation to 10x your business. Thanks again, and we can't wait to see you back here next time for another hit of Climate Positivity.